Well, good morning, good morning. Uh, it's awesome being up here in front of you guys this morning. Um, I love it. I love being up here. Um, and I hope you guys love me being up here because I'm up here for at least 25 more minutes. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we can study it together today, Lord. I thank you for all that you've taught me through this passage as I've studied. And Lord, I pray that the hearts in this room would, would understand what you would have for them to, to hear, not what I would say, Lord. We praise you this morning in your name. Amen. A grocery store checkout clerk once wrote to advice columnists and landers to complain that she had seen people buy luxury food items like birthday cakes and bags of shrimp with their food stamps. The writer went on to say that she thought all those people on welfare who treated themselves to such non-necessities were lazy and wasteful. So a few weeks later, Lander's column was completely devoted to people who had responded to the grocery store clerk. And one woman wrote, I didn't buy a cake, but I did buy a big bag of shrimp with food stamps. So what? My husband had been working at a plant for 15 years when it shut down. The shrimp casserole I made was for our wedding anniversary dinner and lasted three days. Perhaps the grocery clerk who criticized that woman would have a different view of life after walking a mile in my shoes. Another woman wrote, and she said, I am the woman who bought the $17 cake and paid for it with food stamps. I thought the checkout woman in the store would burn a hole through me with her eyes. What she didn't know is that the cake was for my little girl's birthday. It would be her last. She has bone cancer and will probably be gone within six to eight months. That grocery store clerk would fit right into the audience that Jesus is talking to today in the parable that we're about to read and go through here. She was so wrapped up in herself and what she thought was proper and what she thought made you made you not lazy and not wasteful, that she was judging those other people and she didn't even understand their circumstance. But if we look at verse 9 in this passage, we're just going to dive right in. It says, To some who were confident in their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. Can you imagine that audience? That's a rough audience. If I was to, I know I'm not talking to that audience today, so... We're good. But if I was talking to that audience, I would feel like they're just doing nothing but looking down on me anyway. But Jesus is talking to them. They love themselves, and they look down on everybody else. And because of that, Jesus knows exactly how to get their attention. And he starts in verse 10. He says, two men went up to the temple to pray. One, a Pharisee, which the people probably liked hearing, and then the other, a tax collector. Now that would grab their attention. Because if you think of these two people, the Pharisee, if we take a look at the Pharisee, in society, he is well respected. People look at the Pharisees and they think, that is a holy man, that is a spiritual person. That guy is holy, he's respected. He's a keeper of the law, he knows the scriptures. Knows. He's dressed in fine clothes. The robes that they wore were, were fine. And, and people would see those robes and they would know, oh yeah, that's the Pharisee. 
Look at him. He's so spiritual. They were very externally pleasing people. But what really would get this audience in a tizzy is the fact that there's a tax collector going into the temple to pray. Because tax collectors were hated. Why? Because they were looked at as money smugglers. They would collect the taxes, but they would collect more than what they were supposed to and keep it for themselves. They were looked at as liars. They were among the least respected of society. So that's how Jesus is setting this scene for this audience. But one thing that's, that's cool about this is that even though both parties are dramatically different, they both are, understand that they need to pray to God. They both understand they need to go to the temple. It doesn't matter whether they're the Pharisee or the tax collector. Matthew Henry, I'm not sure if any of you are familiar with him, said this. He said, the Pharisee, as proud as he was, could not think of himself above prayer. Nor could the tax collector, humble as he was, think himself shut out from the benefit of it. I think that sums it up pretty good. Now the temple was a public place. That's where everyone could go to pray. And the Pharisee most likely went there to pray because people would see him praying there. He was very self-centered, as you heard in the prayer that was read this morning. He's pretty full of himself. He goes to the temple to pray because people will see him there. The tax collector goes there to pray because he knows he needs to pray, and that's where he, he can go. But they go there with two completely different perspectives. I want to go through those this morning and study them. And first, the the Pharisee's perspective. See, his prayer is split up into two parts. I just want to read through it again. In verse 11, it says, The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. Prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other men. Robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all that I get. That's an alarming prayer. I like to split this prayer up into two parts. They have the first part, the thank God that I'm not section, and then the hey, look at me section. So the first part is... Thank God that I'm not. And the first thing he says is, thank God that I'm not like other men. Now, there's a healthy way of praying that and recognizing that we're all uniquely made by God and he has different plans for each one of us, but it's all for his glory. But I'm not thinking that's what he's saying in this. He's saying, God, thank you that I'm not like other men because other men are such sinners and I am a righteous Pharisee. I am holy. I am not like other men. I'm a man of God. And then he goes and lists them. He says, I'm not like robbers. I'm not like evildoers. I'm not like adulterers. That's nice. That's three things you've named. But what you are is prideful, arrogant, and full of yourself. Also things that God does not want us to be. He's concentrated so on the external instead of the internal And what people see, people can see that he's not a robber. People can see he's not an evildoer. And people can see that he's not an adulterer. So he's thanking God that he's not like those people. Because those people have no hope. Those people are sinners. 
And he's so perfect. And probably the most alarming thing that he thanks God that he's not is, or even this tax collector. The guy who's in the same temple as him, praying to the same exact God as him, he thanks God that he's not like that person. I want you to to just take a quick second and just take a look at everyone in the room, just like a quick turnaround, and just take a look at everyone. You see those smiling faces, those happy faces? Could you imagine being in here praying and thanking God you're not like any one of these people? That's pretty messed up. That's our church family. That's the body of Christ. Well, that's what this Pharisee's doing. The man of God, the highly respected person in society. He's thanking God that he's not like this man in the temple. And, you know, the Pharisee can see that the tax collector's off over there with his head bowed, his, his hand beating his breast. You can see he's going through something rough, but he still has the nerve to thank God that he's not like that tax collector. He's full of pride. He's failing to see God first and recognize God's perfection and then see himself second and see his own imperfection. Instead, rather, he's looking at himself and using himself as the, the scale to measure everybody else. Everybody else doesn't measure up to him. That's not what we want to do. We want to look to God, see his perfection, and recognize our imperfections. The second part is the, hey, look at me section. And he just reminds God of, of what he's doing for him. He's saying, God, I fast twice a week, and I give a tenth of all that I get. That's great. But why are you doing it? It's motives. I can't speak for this Pharisee's motive, but given the context and given the rest of what he's been praying about, he's doing it to, to make himself look pretty good. That would be my guess. He's fasting twice a week because people can see that, and when they see him fasting, that's, that's him. He's holy, the holy Pharisee. He gives a tenth of all that he gets. Wow, look at him. He's given so much. What an awesome Pharisee. You know, a part of him knows that he needs to submit himself to God. But his attitude during this prayer, and I would hardly even call it a prayer. It's more of an addressing God about himself, praising himself, praising what he's done, rather than praying to God. To quote Matthew Henry again, he says, The Pharisee went up to the temple to pray, but forgot his errand. The Pharisee went up there to pray, and then as soon as he got in there, kind of forgot what he was doing, and instead just rather started boasting about himself to God. We don't want to be like the Pharisee. I think that's pretty obvious. We don't want to be full of ourselves. We don't want to be looking at ourselves and then comparing ourselves to other people. We should be comparing ourselves to God and then saying, wow, compared to you, I am so imperfect And then being humbled by that fact. Like I said, there's two people in that temple praying. Well, probably more. But these are the two Jesus is talking about here. And in verse 13, we continue with the perspective of the tax collector. And it says, But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, 
have mercy on me, a sinner. So just picture this. Like, so you have the Pharisee up here praying by himself. Whoa, dear Lord! And then you have over here, probably behind all the praise team equipment in the temple, the Pharisee in the distance. And he has his, his head, his eyes aren't even facing heaven. Right? He's looking down and he's beating his breast. He's just, it's a, a sign of agony, guilt. He's beating it and he's saying, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I picture, I, I feel like there's tears running down his face, maybe soaking his robe a little bit because he just seems like he's filled with such remorse. You can just see the difference between the two. And his prayer, he says, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Seven words. Seven words. A couple weeks ago, I talked about the power of words at the evening service. Five of you heard that sermon. And I talked about how sometimes less is more. Well, this seven-word prayer that says, God, have mercy on me, a sinner, says so much more than the Pharisees' 33-word prayer. What the Pharisees' prayer said is, God, look at me, I'm awesome, and I'm great, and thank you that I'm not like other people, for the most part. This prayer completely exalts God above himself. He's saying, God, you're in complete authority. God, I know you are perfect. I know I'm imperfect. Have mercy on me, because I need it. All that in seven little words. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Something we could just take for granted is that prayer, but it's so powerful. It's so heart-filled. It's so passionate. Because he knows he needs mercy from God and God alone. Because the tax collector is first looking at God, seeing God's perfection, and then recognizes his own imperfection. And he's humbled, and you can tell he's humbled. But then we have Jesus' perspective to close out this little parable here. And Jesus says, I tell you, this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. Now let's think about the audience that we just were talking to. The audience that were full of themselves and looked down on other people. Jesus just told them the tax collector was justified and not the Pharisee. And then Jesus goes on to say, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Jesus just rocked that audience's world. They, They were up on their high horse. They were full of themselves. And Jesus is basically telling them, you, you righteous, self-righteous people, you will be humbled. You will be in the corner just like the, like the tax collector. You will be brought to your knees before God. And the humble people who you are looking down upon, they will be lifted up. They will be justified. He just took their world and turned it upside down on them. In such a short little story. Now here we have a, a baseball card from, from 1982. I have it, a printed out copy of it. 
Um, I, I don't actually have this card. I wish I did because it's worth hundreds of dollars. And it features three baseball players, obviously. And the first person on it is Bob Bonner. He's a shortstop. He played, well, he was a shortstop. And these are all rookies on the card. That's why it says future stars on it. Now, he played four years in Major League Baseball. In those four years, he only played in 61 games. Of those 61 games, he had eight RBIs, or runs batted in, and no home runs. But this card is worth hundreds of dollars. Next guy we have, well, that's, is Jeff Schneider. He played one year in Major League Baseball. He was a pitcher. He, and he pitched 11 games. And in those 11 games, he gave up 13 earned runs. That was his career. That's Jeff Schneider. <laughs> but then we have the man in the middle. He played 21 years in Major League Baseball. Yeah, I keep looking at the card. I have notes on it. I'm a cheater. <laughs> he, he played in 3,001 games. He had 11,551 at-bats. Of those at-bats, he had 3,184 yeah, hits, 431 home runs, and 1,659 runs batted in. You don't have to memorize those numbers, but you can definitely tell that they are a lot greater than what either of those two guys did. This card is worth hundreds of dollars because of what the one guy in the middle did. If these guys, if they were to put the worth of this card on the shoulders of these other two guys, Bob Bonner and Jeff Schneider, it would be worth less than probably what it was paid for at the grocery store off the shelf. They amounted to pretty much nothing. But it's the one guy on that card that gives the card its worth, that gives the card its, its value. And if we were to look at this card in the, in the reality of our lives, if we, we being Jeff Schneider and Bob Bonner, sorry to attribute this to them, but us being them, if we were to try to, to make ourselves righteous based on, on their stats or on what their stats would be in baseball, we would be nowhere if we were just to look at ourselves. If they were just to measure the worth of this card based on themselves, that card would be worth nothing. But we are justified by God. We have been forgiven because of the sacrifice of Christ. And we are humbled at that fact. This, this card is a perfect picture of what of what our lives are. It's not of anything we've done, but it's what Christ has done for us. We need to look at his perfection and then see our own imperfection and then live. Live in the reality of that, that we are sinners. As much as that stinks, we are sinners. And we need to be praying to God, God, have mercy on us for we are sinners, like the tax collector prayed. So today, when we walk out of here, I urge you not to be like those who were confident in their own righteousness and look down on everybody else, but rather, let's be 
like the tax collectors, have the attitude of the tax collectors. That, the attitude of, of humble submission to God. To not thank God that we're not like other people. To not compare ourselves to other people, but rather to compare ourselves to God and see that we are unworthy and then cling to him, cry out to him. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we, we come to you humble today. We come to you praying that you would humble us more. Lord, today we pray that you would have mercy on us, sinners. We praise you and we thank you for everything that you do in our lives and will continue to do. In your name, amen.